My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome as we continue our journey through the Word of God and today we're going to be finishing off 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be picking up at verse 6 and reading through to the end of this chapter. And the Apostle Paul is dealing with some pretty heavy duty stuff here. The church in Corinth really had a lot of issues and they had a lot of contentions among themselves. Part of it was that they had, they, they, they become saved and received the gift of salvation in Jesus. But they lived in such a worldly culture that they wanted to continue to see how close to that worldly culture they could stay and still be a Christian. And Paul's saying, no, listen, not only have you got to move away from those things, but if you have people in the church who are not living the way that Jesus says we should live, then you've got to discipline them. You've got to do something about that for their own protection and the purity of the church. And then he says, so now I've got to explain to you why the church needs to be pure, which is what he's now about to talk about in verse 6. Your glorifying is not good. Now he's talking about them, about the fact that they were glorifying this young man who was having a sexual, ongoing sexual relationship with his own stepmother. Your glorifying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? They thought that they were being tolerant by not doing anything about this man sinning. And the Christians in Corinth were proud and pleased to ignore this man's sin. They, they thought it showed the world how loving and caring and tolerant they were. But you don't show love to a body by being kind to cancer. If you've got cancer, you've got to cut it out, you've got to treat it. And we can rightly say that Paul is concerned about the sin of the entire church, including the leadership in the church in Corinth. He's like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing something about this cancer? He's more concerned about that than he is about this, the sin that this individual person is carrying on with. They're both important, but it, Paul's saying the sin in the church is worse. He says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. This goes back to the, the, the Old Testament. This goes back to the children of Israel coming out of, of, of Egypt and not bringing any of the leaven with them. They were told, don't bring any leaven. Don't bring any of the old poison with you. That's why there's a feast of the unleavened bread, to understand that you don't bring the poison with you. Leaven, it's not just yeast. It's, it's, it's a part of, a, of the dough that's left over from the previous batch, and, and it's, it's actually how you use and make sourdough bread, is, is you take some of the, that, that old dough from the previous batch and that's how bread was leavened in the ancient world. A little pinch of dough from the old lump could make the whole new lump of dough rise and puff up. And in this way, the work of leaven was thought to illustrate the, the, the work of sin and pride in people's lives. The presence of a little bit can corrupt the whole amount. The Passover command, as the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, to purge the leaven had a health purpose for them. It, that method of fermentation, which had been used week after week after week, increased the danger the, uh, to, to food poisoning, danger infection. So what the Israelites would do is 
from then on after that is year after year that once a year they'd start from scratch. So then we move on to verse seven. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, you got to see what's therefore. So that's why you have to read the previous verse. That's why we started at verse six today. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. You and I, we're called to be new lumps. You are a new lump in Jesus Christ. New lump. I call you new lump. There you go. That should be your, you should have a t-shirt made up. I am a new lump. Yay me. Since you truly are unleavened, for indeed Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. At the Passover feast, all the leaven was to be removed from the house. Nothing with leaven in it was to be eaten for a whole week. And Paul says that just as the Jews were concerned to remove all the leaven from their midst, the church should have a concern to remove unrepentant sinners from their midst. And he says, Christ is our Passover. Paul's connection between the purity of Passover and the Christian life, it's its not a stretch. Jesus is our Passover lamb, whose blood was shed that the judgment of God might pass over us. So we are to live in the purity that the Passover speaks of. See, our Christian lives are meant to be marked by the same thing that characterizes the Passover, which is salvation, being free, being joyful, having plenty, having a purity from leaven. Since you are truly unleavened, Paul's point is clear here. You have to live unleavened because you are unleavened. Be what you are is the whole message of the Bible. That's what Christian living is all about. Be what you are. You are a Christian, so be a Christian. What is a Christian? Christian somebody who does what's in here. Not, hey, what can I do that's not in here? Or how can I stretch this, get as close to the line of I want that I want to get to? And he talks about sincerity and truth. I think Guzik says this very well. He says, sincerity and truth are the two strong guardrails for the way of the Christian life. Sincerity and truth. Think about that for you. So then he goes on and says in verse 9, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Now, where is this previous epistle? Uh, the apostles wrote many letters to the churches that are no longer in existence. They no doubt were inspired to speak to a specific church about a specific problem at a specific time, but obviously not for all the church for all time. Otherwise, they'd be in the Bible because God's sovereign. If he wanted them in the Bible, they would be there. If God wanted us to have the copies, we'd have the copies, but we don't. So obviously, he didn't think we needed them. So such letters were not preserved by the Holy Spirit through the church. But he said in those previous letters, do not keep company with sexually immoral people. Do not mix company with them. Don't mingle with them. Uh, I think too many Christians today are not careful about who they mix their company with. I'm not talking about like just only having Christian friends. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like living your life with people who are on a different trajectory than you. When you become a Christ follower, you need to live with people and be with people who are on the same trajectory as trying to live by the word of God. 
If you keep hopping off that trajectory and over to the trajectory of people who don't care about the word of God, then eventually what are you going to do? You, you, you're going to end up leaning over here. Why? Because the things of the flesh will always pull you away. Sexually immoral people. Man, that's like the world right now. You're like, well, if I'm not meant to keep company with sexually immoral people, that means I shouldn't keep company with anybody, including people in the church. Sad reality. Sad but true. Uh, sexual purity is talked about in the Bible. It's reiterated in the Bible. And yet it's the thing in culture that we have just pulled away, even within the church, and turned a blind eye to it. Paul says, Paul said at the church in Corinth, you're doing it, stop it. God's saying to us as the church now, you're doing it, stop it. The message hasn't changed. So Paul goes on to clarify why we shouldn't mix with those people who are sexually immoral. He always gives us the why. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or idolaters. Since then you would need to go out of this world. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. Paul didn't want the Corinthian churches to expect godly behavior from ungodly people. To disassociate from sinners in a sinful world means that you'd have to go outside the world. That's his point. Unfortunately, that's surprisingly the approach that a lot of Christians take uh, to holiness is let's just get away as far as we can from the world. Um, but instead without approving the sin of the sinners of this world, we should expect that they would be sinners. They, they don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in the Bible. What would you expect otherwise? Uh, it shouldn't surprise or offend us that those who don't know Jesus are covetous, who feel like they must have more and more and more and more all the time. It shouldn't surprise us that those who don't know Jesus are Extortioners, harpax is the ancient Greek word. In other words, it means those people who steal by violence. It shouldn't surprise us or offend us that people who don't know Jesus act as a reviler, somebody who's a character assassin of other people. We shouldn't be surprised by these things. But the Corinthian churches were to expect Christian behavior from Christians. And they weren't doing this. Paul says that they were not even to eat with such a person. Now, remember, he's talking about people inside the church. In the culture of that day and in many cultures today, eating with somebody is something you do as a sign of friendship, partnership. And in some cultures, if somebody eats at your table, you are bound to call him a friend. And Paul warns the Corinthian Christians that they cannot continue in Christian fellowship with a sinner who calls himself a Christian. 
So he says, what have I to do with judging those who are outside? Those who are outside, God judges. Uh, Too many Christians are too busy judging people outside the church. That's God's job. Don't worry about it. And they neglect purity within the church. Do you not judge those who are inside? Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. The, The Corinthian church were failing to judge where they should have made judgment inside the church with people calling themselves Christians. Paul's saying, listen, stop winking at the notorious sinner among you Um, and certainly don't consider yourselves loving and tolerant if you do. We have to remember both reasons why it was important to deal with this sinning man in this that's the focus of this whole chapter. It's not only for the sake of the purity in the church, but also for the sake of that man's own salvation. So what's our observation today? Heavy-duty stuff, isn't it? But it's really good because what it does is it puts very clear guidelines, guardrails in place for us. We start to understand the way that God wants us to treat immorality. What does he want us to do with who we mix with inside the church? Remember, he's not talking about mixing with people outside the church. People inside don't have anything to do with them. If they're inside the church and they're living a life that's not the way that Christ intended, and then the church leadership have a responsibility, what are they going to do with that? It's not a fun job, by the way. Let me tell you that, being a pastor, when you've got to deal with this kind of stuff, because people always take it personally. And I guess that's the reason for that. It's because it is personal. But the point is, is that you really are trying to help people in their salvation. But I also have a responsibility to protect my sheep. If I've got a 100 sheep and I've got a few sheep who are infecting the other sheep or dangerous to the other sheep, I've got to do something about that. I've got to protect them. I'm the shepherd. So which what, what do you want me to do? You want me to come at you with, with love and care and remove you or smack you over the head with my crook, which I'll do if you're going to hurt the sheep. Ultimately, Paul says, listen, I don't want to do that, and it's not my heart either. I want people to be saved. I want people to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want them to lay down their sin, repent of it, and move on the good things that God has for them in their calling. That's what I want. Paul says there are rules to be followed when it comes to immorality in the church. So what do you observe? Write down. Tell us in the comments below. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of your word that cuts right to the very core in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.